Welcome to the Rapid Change Matters podcast. My name is Howard Cooper, and for over 14 years now, I've been fascinated with helping people to create personal change quickly. But I still come across many who believe that lasting personal change has to take a long time, consisting of reliving traumas or deep psychological analysis, or simply that flawed notion that understanding why you have a problem will somehow make it go away. I'm on a mission to get people who work therapeutically with others to shift their thinking and realize that these beliefs are not written in stone. Rapid change can happen. So, to help you open up to what's possible, I'm interviewing top therapists and agents of change who are out there getting real results with real people really quickly. Before we get to the interview, I just wanted to let you know that I've written a quick-to-read, downloadable PDF on five strategies to amplify your client's response, with some great tips on getting your therapeutic suggestions to really sizzle. You can download this for free from rapidchange.works, where you can also find all the information about this episode and episodes still to come. Now, over to the interview. Today... I'm sitting here, albeit digitally, with Rory Z. Fulcher, stage and street hypnotist, hypnotherapist, author and founding director of HypnoTC, the hypnotherapy training company, as well as being featured on BBC Radio and numerous publications in the UK. He's widely known for his expertise in the area of rapid inductions and has shown many how to induce altered states in others incredibly quickly. Welcome, Rory. Thank you for having me, Howard. Absolute pleasure. So let's kick off and jump straight in. Tell us uh, a little about yourself, what you do, and how you got started. Well, I'm. I, I set out as uh, initially self-taught in the industry. I, I, I learned uh, from from one book initially, and set out and stopped myself from smoking. And then I sort of went on to help my family with uh, conditions. To a point where I felt confident to actually go and start charging people and helping people uh, as a career, or, or, or albeit a fairly, fairly slow starting career. Um, I've been doing it now for about twelve years. The last uh, five or six years have been—it's been my full-time job. Before that, I've, I've done other things in conjunction as well. Um, that said, obviously, you mentioned uh, the stage and street stuff. I, I initially wanted to be a performer. I did music at, uh, at college, and it turns out that I am in no way musical whatsoever. Uh, so I thought, what else could I do? And with the, with the um, knowledge of hypnosis and uh, an idea about stage hypnosis and what it was, I thought, yeah, that, that could be something. So I did a two-day course and set out immediately after that and started actually doing hypnosis shows which um it, it, it potentially a rocky start after just two days training but it it, it went quite well and uh, that's something that I, I i like to tell people to do you know if you're gonna if you're gonna do this hypnosis thing the best way to to learn to do it is to actually practice and have a go at it <laughs> so yeah so w- would you say because there's a lot of people out there who are, uh, and I use the word practicing in inverted commas, practicing right. hypnosis. Um, and what they mean by that is they're reading a lot of stuff and they become walking encyclopedias of knowledge about it, mm-hmm. um, but aren't necessarily out there actually applying it. 
So uh, is it fair to say that, that actually what you've done is, is go out and create a kind of grounded, practical, experience-based entry into this? Yeah, that like you say, it was, it, and that was an entry into it. And since that point, I have, you know, I've attended various courses and done lots of studying on the subject, etc. But, you know, at some point, you know, you if you want to do it as a career, you're going to have to start actually practicing it. <laughs> and I say, um, for me, getting started sooner rather than later tends to be better. And you know, it, it comes when when you're doing your hypnotherapy training as well or hypnosis training. It will depend on you know the the person, the tutor, the tutors that are training you. Because some some people don't like to even when when teaching, they don't like to do demonstrations. They don't like people to practice. They just want to talk at you about this stuff and expect you to go and do the rest by yourself. And that's not always the best way to go about it. I find. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's a little like trying to learn to play the guitar just by reading the book. No. Yeah. Well, you, you go to a guitar lesson. <laughs> right. Watch me do it. And now you go home and do it yourself. Yes. <laughs> Good lesson. <laughs> so what would you say to people who maybe lack confidence and have all this great information? They're very knowledgeable, but they just lack that little part of them that goes, can I actually go out and do this? I think they should get some uh, parts therapy. No. Um... <laughs> well, <laughs> it is literally a case of, um, you know, the the. the it's an irrational belief, you know, what, what's, what is the worst that's going to happen? You know, if, if it fails when you try it, is your world going to end? Probably not. You might look a little silly, potentially, um, but that, that's probably the, the worst thing that's going to happen. Uh, so it's just a case of suck it up princess uh, <laughs> you know and uh, I, I would have, I would liberally apply that to myself as well because I was in the very same boat when I started and I thought well what what if this doesn't work you know that's gonna suck I'm gonna look like an idiot um, and sometimes I did and sometimes it didn't work and that's good because um, I, I know a lot of hypnotherapists are, are not necessarily in favor of quoting NLP stuff but there is no failure there is only feedback <laughs> You know, so I got feedback of what I was doing and whether it was working, whether it wasn't working and how I could improve it potentially as well. So, you know, just get started, really. Yeah, I, I quite agree. And it's funny that you mentioned that a lot of people um, maybe don't like that quote. You know, it's not failure, it's feedback. <laughs> I think the people that don't like it are the people that don't actually embrace it as a message. They can quote it without actually embodying what that means. Sure. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. So how would you, Rory, tell me, how would you define hypnosis? What is it for you? Sure. Okay. Um, hypnosis for me, if I, well, I say for me, hypnosis for the people that I work with, and if I want to define hypnosis for them, would generally be a highly focused state of attention. Um, and from from that point onwards, you know, whatever you choose to do with the hypnosis, it, it then becomes different and it becomes not hypnosis. You know, it becomes the, the entertainment or it becomes the therapy. Um, the hypnosis is just kind of entering the door to the room where you can then apply other skills and techniques, if that kind of makes sense. So that's what you said hypnosis is for the people you see. What is hypnosis for you and is that different? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, as a subjective experience, hypnosis uh, can involve relaxation, and it, it, yet it doesn't always, you know, it, it can involve uh, a massive focus of attention, but at the same time, it, it can be the exactly the opposite of that, and can be 
not paying attention at all and going off consciously thinking about something else. Um, so it's a very transient thing uh, in, in my mind, hypnosis, and it's very subjective uh, based on the, the person that you're working with. And, and you touch upon relaxation, which I think is uh, an interesting area to explore because certainly being around the field myself, I have seen what I believe to be a trend of progressive muscle relaxation bashing. Um, yeah, there there is a lot of that around, especially from uh, people who are a fan of the rapid inductions. And I'm not personally in favor of the um, progressive uh, induction bashing because I quite enjoy progressive inductions. And even if I'm doing rapid inductions, uh, any point where you kind of go on to deepen, you know, if you say anything about relaxing, then you are doing some kind of progressive relaxation, really, for all intents and purposes. Um, and the thing with it is that it's it's a long-standing method and it's it is as such because it works you know it's it's something that pretty much everyone can do really and it's very reliable whereas with rapid inductions as you probably know there can be an a, a couple of clients that you will see that rapid inductions don't quite work so well with them so you know, and at the same time, you know, if you have someone who's coming in and they have a very stressful life, and this is their only opportunity to relax, perhaps it might be better to give them a full hour of you know, progressive induction and a nice long relaxing session rather than you know go to sleep, you're fixed, bugger off five minutes. They would probably benefit from something more progressive. So what what in your mind? How would you explain to someone who's never come across this field before? what a rapid induction is and how does it work to, to create, uh, I mean, we could call it an altered state. We could. <laughs> People might disagree, but we could. Exactly. Um, so uh... <laughs> uh, a rapid induction, you know, is, uh, is just a method of getting people into the state of hypnosis. Um, the state of hypnosis will remain the state of hypnosis, whatever induction you use. It's going to be the pretty much the exact same thing. It's just a different route to the same destination. Um, generally, the way that we would, the way that a rapid induction works, will be either confusion or overload. So you're either confusing the conscious mind or you're overloading it potentially with a shock. Um, and in doing that. You have a, a moment generally where the conscious mind wonders what's going on, um, at which point you can direct it into into hypnosis. So rather than they're having to consciously think, oh, um, okay, so wh why is my hand moving like this? Why 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 are my eyes closed? What's what's going on right here? Um, instead, just taking sleep and you know kind of going into that, it tends to be the easier option for them to do. Uh, so that, that tends to be why it works. And, and how is that different from the way in which, um, you know, a slower, and we talked about progressive relaxation, uh, induction might, uh, might work, given that the destination, as you say, is the same? The way that I, I, I like to, to put it is, imagine that your full wide awake state is you, you are standing at the top of a mountain and uh, to get into hypnosis you, you need to get all the way down to the bottom of the mountain. Um, with progressive relaxation you're going to gradually find a path down the mountain to the bottom or to as close to the bottom as you can manage as we sometimes know. Um, with rapid inductions 
let's let's imagine that you're standing at the top of the mountain and you do a, a base jump and you land about you know quarter or halfway down the mountain and then you can make make the way down the rest of the way using other methods and and that's kind of a, a nice analogy for rapid inductions you know you, it's not necessarily going to take you immediately into a full deep state of hypnosis or somnambulism but it will get you along the way <laughs> sure would you say there are people who are if someone is anxious about hypnosis maybe they perceive it have some misnomers around how it's perceived be that around mind control or they see it as some kind of dark arts <laughs> would you suggest that they don't respond as well to rapid inductions that they need a, a gradual tapering down so that they have reassurance or or actually can that work for you there their kind of anxiety around it yeah, that's that's a kind of uh, well, a common question on a theme is which which traits uh, are best for going into hypnosis, you know, which which professions, you know, which gender, which age, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, generally, you find it doesn't particularly matter, you know. So an anxious person uh, could be good or could be not so good at going into hypnosis. The key thing is. Uh, educating them and having a really strong pre-talk so you know covering all of the things that they could potentially be worried about um, and at the same time you know if your pre-talk doesn't necessarily do it there's no reason that you, you need to do a, a, a formal induction you know because a lot of the stuff that we do you can do eyes open and just by getting into that state of focus they will eventually you know become hypnotized to some degree you know and there's a there's a whole there's a whole culture of eyes open hypnosis so it's it's a thing <laughs> yeah there, there certainly is indeed the <clears throat> so what for you are some of the key aspects of a good decent pre-talk and and is indeed a pre-talk fundamentally necessary I wouldn't say if a pre-talk is a hundred percent necessary a hundred percent of the time. I don't know if you've seen there are videos or there were videos I know that especially a guy who used to go up to people in the street and hypnotize them and turn them into hypnotic statues and then bugger off. Um, I think they may have been removed from YouTube uh, as as we speak now, um, potentially, or I'm just terrible at searching. Uh, but obviously there was no pre-talk with that. You know, he'd just walk up to people and sleep, stick there, bugger off. Um, so yeah, you, you don't necessarily need it. And it will depend on what the the client or what the, the person who you're working with comes to you uh, with in their mind. Because if they have already experienced hypnosis, you know, at, at that point and they had a successful experience, um, you're probably not going to have to do too much pre-framing with that. Whereas if it's someone who is completely skeptical and they have a ton of beliefs that are untrue, you know, myths are going to be turned into a chicken, give out their bank details, pass out, going to die, I don't know. Um, there are all sorts of things that people could believe. And the, the key thing with that is yeah. dispelling those beliefs to a level where they, they feel more comfortable and where they are happy to allow it to happen because obviously if they don't want it to happen it's not going to happen so just shifting into a slightly different gear where do you stand on being content free um i i will not stand on that generally very often um i like the idea that techniques can be content free um but anything that you do has content 
it's not content free if you know if you're working content free it's not it's that you don't know what the content is they know what the content is so thereby therefore it is 100% not content free the only way it's content free is if someone comes into your office and says um there's something wrong with me i don't know what it is and i i don't know what i want fix it that's content free and good fucking luck uh <laughs> right <laughs> apologies for swearing uh but you know it, it's it, yeah it's true um the i mean there are some techniques and methods that are said to to be content free um but rather than being content free they kind of work with metaphorical constructs to some extent you know so like changing there's you know like there's a common one the spinning technique i don't know if you've heard of that um and i believe it's just you know you take the the feelings inside you pull them out of your body you figure out which way they're spinning then spin them in the opposite direction stick them back in your body i think that's if if you can confirm that that's yeah. pretty much what it is that's pretty much um, the outline yeah yeah uh, and you could potentially say to some extent that's content free but what's what's the feeling you know there's there's a feeling there the feeling has some reason it's it's you know so that that is the content right there um and uh, at the end of the day taking that down to kind of brass tacks it's a pretty lame version of a submodality shift where you're only working on the feeling rather than you know any anything visual anything auditory anything you know the internal dialogue that goes along with these things that could make it a much more powerful technique uh so yeah content free generally isn't uh, I, I don't tend to subscribe to that that label or that that mode of thinking because I think it's not very helpful. Are there any dangers of setting out to work rapidly with people? And if so, what would you say they are? I have an issue with the question. <laughs> That's okay. I I don't set out to work rapidly with people. You know that that's not my my intention. That's not my goal. Um, and and it, it, again, that's another thing that's fairly common at the moment. You know, oh yeah, I, I I can I can come I can get a client to come in and out of my office in fifteen minutes, done. So yeah, um, like I say, I don't tend to set out for rapid change um, to get it done and over over and done with as quick as possible. I, I generally would set out to help someone to change as quickly as they they have the potential to change and you know sometimes you you, you may get a, a client and you think well this is going to take a few sessions and after the first session then they start improving much more rapidly than than you would have thought and and vice versa it can happen the other way you think well they're going to be great and then they see you for like three four five six sessions mm-hmm. you know um I, again i don't I, I don't think i've particularly ever gone above like four or five sessions with someone um aside from um you know kind of conversational work uh and that's that's a big part of, of what i do as well is just talking to people um you know seeding suggestions indirectly as well and i find that to, to to be very effective um even if they you know even if they know kind of what's going on you know you're having these deep conversations they're thinking well you're, i think you're probably doing therapy with me right now aren't you uh no <laughs> me would I ever do that? Um, but yeah, some of the indirect work can can be equally as effective as the direct hypno work as well. Um, I think we've gone off on a massive tangent there. Sorry about that. No, no, <laughs> I, I love cutting a long story sideways. That's uh, <laughs> always uh, always good. That's where the best conversations happen. I mean, I, I think we're quite aligned in terms of some of the ways that that we view 
you know what rapid means uh, for me it's doing something as quick as it can be done rather than um, and I can't remember whether I've shared this on any of the other podcasts but um, I know when we spoke last I think I probably shared it with you ringing round a bunch of therapists to see you know what would they do for a fear of flying when I first started and being mm. shocked by the number of people who said well we offer a 10 session approach <laughs> and I remember saying well, what would I what, what would happen if I was uh, okay after two and they said you won't be um you know yeah. and in many ways that was a great uh, th their suggestion landed because i certainly came off the phone thinking well yes you're right they couldn't help me in two mm -hmm. you know that's that's, that's the power of hypnosis to, right there to say that you couldn't be helped into yeah <laughs> well like is it, going back to the example that you quoted like and especially with phobias they tend to be the the most rapidly the fixable quotation marks um, things that you can work with phobias you, you can you can tend to shift in in one session you know um, and, and that's not the law you know I'm not saying that every phobia session will be one session um, but in my experience it does tend to happen that way uh, a, a great one that I, I, I tell quite frequently um, is about a friend of a friend who has um, who had sorry a crippling arachnophobia fear of spiders uh she was 24 at the time and her her phobia was so so prolific that her partner who was two years older um prior to meeting her hadn't had no no worries and uh, no no fears at all and within the course of their relationship she had um conditioned him to be afraid of spiders as well just because of, of her, her reaction, her response to them. Um, and that was a, a, a case of, you know, uh, I, I, I went over there, had an initial consultation for like 10, 15 minutes, did 10, uh, 15, 15 minutes of hypnosis. Um, and at the end of it, whereas before she would not have gone in a room with a spider, um, I actually brought a spider with me in, in a jar because I'm that kind of guy. Uh, and I said, okay, so here, here's this spider in a jar. Would you, how do you feel about that? She's like, well, that's a spider in a jar. Uh, would you be happy to hold the jar? Sure. Would you be happy then to open up the jar while you're holding it? Yeah. And how about tipping the spider on your hand? Um, yes. And she did. And, you know, scuttled off her hand and she was like well actually you know that was that was absolutely fine um and a lot of people as you say they they just they they wouldn't envisage that ever happening to go from can't be in a room with something to okay let's just stick it on a hand <laughs> um and, and you know that's that's a huge thing um and it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be spiders you know someone who has smoked for 40 years of their life 20 to you know 20 to 30 cigarettes a day can go in one one session to to not smoking um and i've had plenty of those and but at the same time with with some of these things they will take longer you know you will have to take different approaches to them and i've had other smokers who've had to come back for you know two three four sessions um so it's it's not always going to be rapid change but if the person that you're working with you know if they're responsive and if you feel they're able to then why not make the change happen faster rather than like you say um yeah we're going to do 10 sessions whether you'll change or not you know <laughs> you probably won't 
Um, if you tell them they're going to change on the 10th session, that's when they will change, you know, because you're, you're, that's hypnosis. You're telling them what's going to happen mm-hmm. pretty much. So, Tell me, Rory, would you say that people who come and see you, um, for them, hypnosis is a first port of call? Or are you, uh, in some cases, that kind of, I've tried everything and nothing else has worked? A great majority of the time, it would tend to be the latter. Um, I'm I'm sure it's probably fairly similar for a lot of of hypnotherapists. Um, And for for a lot of hypnotherapists who are seeing clients um, who are fresh and kind of approaching themselves, uh, because if you're having lots of referral clients then that may be slightly different because they they may just see how how well their friend is doing something like that and think oh okay well rather than doing this thing that i was planning on doing i'll probably go and try you know hypnotherapy instead um but yeah generally people approaching cold of their own volition uh i i find it's more likely to be a a kind of last port of call but that's not necessarily a bad thing (laughs) no no certainly not um Whose work methodology has had the biggest impact on you and the way in which you work? Um, I, I mentioned him earlier, but Milton Erickson, like the the way in which he worked was spectacular and so focused on exactly, you know, what the client came came with. Um no two approaches the same and you know working working with the clients well their their beliefs with their habits with you know their hobbies with their own personal situations and that's something that i i kind of aspire to myself so you know you know and and the the fact that you know he's just <laughs> there, there has been so many books written about him there have been so many you know the, the videos all over youtube um i i don't know why people don't research the methods that he he used because you know so many of them were so effective who would you recommend uh, are there any books specifically you would recommend reading for someone who is interested in change work oh there are tons out there um some some of the the, the kind of key ones um I, for me i i don't tend to enjoy reading textbooks as much as you know, I'm not going to say fiction, um, but you know, some something that is is more conversationally laid out. Which you know, if you've kind of if you've read my books, then you will probably see that uh, in in the way that I deliver them. But um, something like um, My Voice Will Go With You, that's that's a great book on on Milton Erickson and his approaches. Um, also, um, I found to be a, a big help Monsters Monsters and Magical Sticks. That that was. Uh, that was great a great read and um shows you again how to kind of work outside the box which is always a nice thing to consider doing so have you got any advice for people who want to get really good at this kind of stuff yeah um the 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 key thing is practice really um whether you are learning yourself via books and YouTube videos or whatever, podcasts, obviously, um, or if you're taking formal training, 
you know a massive part of that needs to be practice and whether it's practicing on your friends and your family which as, as we know that can sometimes be difficult when you're starting out because they don't know you as the hypnotist or the hypnotherapist so there's that whole um that whole dynamic to work on um but you know a good way to do that and get practice is friends of friends you know people who might not know you in, in such a way and then you know get an introduction as a hypnotherapist um can be quite helpful uh but at the same time working on yourself is a, a very useful thing and that's not necessary you know you're not going to be able to get rapid induction practice and like do do a hand drop on yourself and you know that kind of thing doesn't tend to work um but just getting an idea of how to speak to people in a way that resonates you know how to deliver suggestions and that's pretty much you know that's what hypnosis is it's suggestion and the delivery of said suggestion um and a huge part of of the training that, that i do that i deliver is teaching people how to come up with their own suggestions um for specific conditions specific problems you know because if you can then do that on off the top of your head the spur of the moment then it's going to make you a much more effective therapist obviously we're going to put some links on the episode guide and on sure. the website but if people are listening to the podcast and they want to hear more from you, they want to know more about the training that you offer and the sort of stuff that's out there that, that you can show them, how uh, how should they go about getting in touch? Okay, sure. Um, if you want to learn about rapid inductions and stage and street hypnosis and that kind of thing, um, the, the more fun stuff, um, which, you know, even if you're not necessarily going to be doing street hypnosis stage hypnosis as a as a therapist i think there is there is a, a massive crossover with that and again it comes down to effective delivery of suggestions um and it's a great confidence builder as well you actually you know get to go out you do hypnosis you know during my my workshops i do a one-day workshop for rapid hypnosis i have hypnotherapists come along i have people who have never experienced any kind of hypnosis come along and by the end of the day everyone's hypnotizing everybody else and they can see that it's working and they can feel that it's working and for a lot of hypnotherapists that's something that could be missing from their practice um so yeah, that's 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 one thing. Um, also, like books and DVDs and stuff are available on that website. But if you're more into hypnotherapy training and you're you're looking at doing that as a career, or even topping up training that you've already had, because we've actually retrained a fair amount of people who've gone through months and years of training and were still unconfident in actually going out and helping people, which is unfortunate, really. Um, but yeah, that's uh, if, if you go to our website, which is hypnotc.com, I'm sure the link will be in the description. Um, there's loads of videos, loads of blogs, and there you can come along to a free taste today, meet us, do some fun therapy stuff, ask any questions that you like, and potentially come along to our full um, international training course, which is pretty cool. It's very cool, and uh, I know you've been uh, 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 all over the shop uh, of late. Is it in India you were uh, doing training in? Yes, yes. Um, worked for uh, sort of a, oh, what's what's the word? Um, a business organization let's go with that <laughs> yeah i went i went over to india and did some hypno lectures for uh, a business organization and that was really cool sri lanka as well which they they told me is india light and mm -hmm. I, I would tend to agree with them uh, but yeah very very good experience so yeah doing doing this hypno stuff can 
take you all across the world, you know, if if you are willing and uh, if, if it's something that you potentially would like to do. So, yeah, you can. You can see the world by doing this job. It's great. Sorry. Very cool. Rory, tell me, the when, when, when we agreed and we talked about, oh, let's do uh, the podcast for rapid change, were there any things that you thought, do you know what, thinking about this topic of rapid change, it'd be really useful to share uh, with people, but actually I haven't asked directly. I don't know, like, like we've kind of alluded to, the, the, the key thing with making rapid change happen is working with the person that you have in front of you and whether that comes down to choosing the right induction or choosing the the right approach some people prefer a direct approach some people prefer the whole thing metaphorically just you know telling stories and things like that um but by by managing to figure out what that correct approach is that will make your change more rapid in and of itself you know um and sure there are there are tons of like quick fix uh content free you know all of these kind of things and in the right place and in you know the right time they they could potentially work at helping to facilitate rapid change um but generally to to make rapid change happen you just need to you know have a lot of experience which obviously if you're starting out that will come with time um, assuming you actually go out and do it, which you need to. Um, so it's having that experience and having a whole toolbox of different techniques and different approaches that you can use with people um, when appropriate to use them and uh, figure out which ones potentially aren't appropriate and aren't going to work quite as rapidly for them. Uh, and for me, that's that's how rapid change works, TM. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, listen, it's been great chatting, and thank you so much for giving up your um, Wednesday morning to, uh, to to talk about all things rapid change related. Uh, everyone, if you're interested, you can check out all the links, as we said, on the iTunes guide and on the rapidchange.works website. And, uh, yeah, on behalf of myself and the listeners, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, why not share it with anyone you think might be interested? And even head over to iTunes to give us a glowing review. You'll find more about what's coming up on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rapid change works. And of course, you'll find all the links related to this episode, plus those free five steps to getting your suggestions to sizzle over at rapidchange.works.